0: What's up guys, Justin Brock here with another Guru-nomics episode. And uh, as much as I keep seeing YouTube ads, tell us why you shouldn't trust gurus. We're going to tell you about another guru out there, David Duford, that I'm sure plenty of you have been watching for a long time. Great content creator in the insurance space, a lot of value. Um, And before I introduce him, I just want to say, Dave, I uh, re-signed up for your emails and or I resign up your email list on your on David DavidDuford.com. Here
1: comes the spam.
0: And well, when I got them, I have to tell you, good emails though, really good stuff. Some of the content on uh, you know, where you're tastefully reviewing, you know, organizations out there in a way that doesn't doesn't, you know, doesn't tear them down in any way, but also brings light to some of the things maybe people should look for that they don't know to look for when they are new to the industry. So great emails. I would highly recommend people be on that email list. Um, Thank you. you know, I, I, I try to unsubscribe from a lot of things, but there are certain email lists that I like to stay on because there's some value there, or, or I get some insight into what they're doing. And by the way, uh, you are the best dad ever. So. Uh, I Thank love you. That mug. <laughs> no, coffee
1: cup says, How could you... you got
0: the, you got the cup. So. So guys, uh, David, uh, I did an interview with you probably been a few years ago. Um, I think we're promoting your
1: conference sometime yeah. during the start of coronavirus, about a year, year and a half yeah, ago. Yeah, we
0: did one about a year ago. And before that. another one about, uh, I did one for your channel probably two or three years ago yeah. um, on, on Medicare. So, um, you know, what have you been up to, man, in the past, in this, since COVID hit? Uh, I know, I know, and this is just, to to get us in this you you kind of are still doing youtube content the website building out but i know you're not a big like social social media guy because maybe of the time robbery or something like that i don't see you as much on there like facebook instagram all that you're creating the more staying consumable uh, content that can be searched for on the web blogs youtube so what have you been up to man
1: yeah. I mean, just nothing really that much different. I mean, um, I'm still recruiting agents nationally to sell final expense, Medicare and annuities. Um, I've just gotten more busy, bigger and scaled up more. You know, I'm just focusing yeah. on what works. It's it's funny. I have asked, have people ask me, so what's, what's really changed over the past couple of years? Nothing much. I'm just doing the same stuff that works and it yeah. just keeps working better and better and things get better and better.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems, uh, seems to me like, you know, we've had a little bit of a journey after you've been around doing this for a long time. And, um, you know, as we've created content in the beginning, the content creates the attention. Um, but then there's a point where you're like, okay, now I actually know where I can spend my time to help the most people and also help my business grow. Um, so you get to start refining where your time is best spent. Um, and so even us, we've, we've started to refine what content we're putting out, what we're engaging in, starting to tune down as much of like, we still want content out there. We still want to be relevant, um, but we don't want to spend, we don't want to waste time on things that maybe early on weren't a waste of time because it created engagement, got us, you know, friends and, and made, made, uh, made waves. But now that we have some of that attention, we're like, how can we spend that time helping people? And increasing revenue, doing so. So it sounds like that's what you've been doing. It's just fine-tuning your operation uh, more and more. So, well, I have a couple of questions that I didn't send you to pre-prepare for. Sorry. Uh, I hope wow. that they're. I hope that they're good. Um So, so, <laughs> so, hopefully, they uh, are things that you uh, haven't answered before or have a, a newfound answer for. So, a couple of these. One of them I have is. You talk to a lot of agents. I'm sure you have a lot of agents reaching out to you. What is the most common question that you get that you hate answering?
1: Uh, You know, I don't know if I have one, to be honest with you. I mean, um, here's the thing, Justin, I mean, and this, this is kind of a pro tip for recruiters. Um, I guess the stuff that bothers me the most is, are our and 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 I say this half-heartedly. I don't mean this like keeps me up at nine and frustrates me. Yeah. But I I have a complete system. I recruit probably <sighs> 60 to 80 people a month, okay? I have no employees. I do it all, okay? Yeah. And one of the ways that I do it is that I've streamlined the entire funnel of recruitment to where my involvement on a manual basis is limited to just a Q&A session where people ask me questions and uh, some, some occasional onboarding questions. When I say onboarding, like contracting, et cetera. Now, when we get the training, that's where I'm much more involved, of course. But my point is, is getting onboarded, I answer all the questions, okay? I filter out who's a good fit for me by requiring them, the the candidates to read an FAQ page that has all of the questions on there. It simultaneously acts as a qualifier for me because if somebody's not going to follow directions, mm-hmm. something as simple as that, who's to say they're going to follow my directions on how to sell the stuff that we're teaching them to do? Right. Yep. So I don't. When I hear an agent come to me and they ask me things like, "Well, how does commission work? Or how does training work?" when I've when I have told them to read this page. Those are the kind of questions I don't like because to me, that shows me the character of somebody who's not mm-hmm. diligent, who's not following directions. And it doesn't mean that they're not a candidate, it just means I'm a little bit more aware that that kind of behavior pattern tends to not go away. It will yeah. reflect in the actual doing of the thing, where, um, you know, if you have an agency full of people that, can't follow directions you don't really have much of an agency you know what i mean
0: yeah no so I, I like that answer um and i'll say this i have a follow-up but how many agents or people reach out to you who want to become an agent and aren't licensed yet do you get a, a frequent amount of those oh yeah yeah okay Half so so we A third one of the things that i always tell them and i love the faq page i may have to steal that and create a kind of an fa because we have an agent resources uh but having a frequently asked questions section for how we do things or things could be a great way to like to, to really weed ton, out man. who, can, who can do that we um we we actually tell them when they're new um we say, yeah, great. You know, when you're licensed, let us know how we can help. You know, or maybe have a video on how to get licensed. I know we could do that. But one of the things I like to do is just say, you know, when you get your license, we can help because if they can't figure out how to get a license on their own, I probably don't want to work sure. with. Them. Because you know, and sure. that's the same thing. Even locally, we have a brick and mortar office too, and I have LOA agents in that brick and mortar office. Um, And, and it's a coveted position because they're coming in with massive lead flow, you know, and I don't need a billion agents in there, you know, I might need 10 staff members in there. But when there's a seat that is open, and I'm interviewing for it, I make them go get their license on their own. I don't say let me coddle you and interview you and put you in here and get your license. Because if they can't go figure that out, I don't even want to work with them. And if they're not going to invest a little bit of money in themselves, because I'm telling I'm selling them on the opportunity. If you can't figure out how to connect the dots to make the opportunity work, I probably don't want you in that seat. I need somebody right. that thinks for themselves. Um, so, right. you know, anyway, so that's, that's kind of the same thing. So not a pet peeve, not keeping you up at night, but uh, probably just a measure for how you can weed out who you're going to spend the most time helping. So I want to help the people that help themselves. So, right. Good. Good. Exactly. So, so man, you're putting out a lot of content. I'm assuming you get a lot of questions. Um, you know, out of uh, you know what you do as a recruiter or somebody who's written business in the past or still will. Uh, what do people misunderstand the most about you or your operation?
1: I mean, very little. I I I try to. I try to let every single candidate know upfront intentionally the good and the bad because there's nothing worse than some agent coming in under false pretenses, which is a commonality in this business, just to find out it's not for them or what was promised isn't going to get delivered. So for me, I mean, I, I tell people on my Q and a call, most agents fail. I mean, maybe most of you will fail. You need to have some, Recognition, some sobriety or sober outlook to this, yeah. and what are you going to do with that reality? You know, because I think that is an empowering thing when you accept what's real. So, for me, I don't think there's much of a misunderstanding. I mean, I tell them exactly what to expect. You are a ten ninety nine agent; it's one hundred percent commission in the sense of you. It's one hundred percent performance based. Um, you got to buy leads, or it's not a good fit. Um, you gotta be an entrepreneurial type of person, which means I'm not going to call you and bother you. And, but you're on your own to ask me questions when you need the help. Right. So, um, perhaps Justin, the most misunderstood thing about joining is the business itself. There is an element of, of uncertainty. You see other people who are successful, you see evidence of it, but the ultimate question becomes: Will I be successful? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes the perception is incorrect, you know, because the preparation is incorrect or the the person's not right for the business. So if there's a misunderstanding, it's it's will they actually be a good fit for the business? And there's no way to know that until you do the thing. I think yeah. you just want to make sure you do it with all the odds in your favor, and that's what I try to be as upfront about in the beginning
0: is there um is there a a factor when talking to someone on the the front end or the back end that seems to be a blatant commonality of what makes them either a be successful or b not be successful um that you have seen or is it just all over the map it's all over the map man i i don't know yeah, it's as I can tell you this, it's closer.
1: It's definitely not pedigree. If you're an agent watching this and you don't have uh, a resume yeah. or the right school you went to, like none of that crap matters in insurance sales. All that matters is can you help people and can you consistently do that every day? Yeah. Um, I don't care personally about any of that stuff. What I'm trying to assess is the quality of the individual, the character of the person. If the person has the the character traits that are necessary for success in entrepreneurship, and you know what they are, Justin, I mean, discipline, work ethic, coachability, litany of others, yeah. Um, You got to have all that stuff. And that's kind of what I try to find and try to pick for, but it's imperfect at best because people put on their best face forward, and sometimes how they demonstrate themselves isn't actually how they are. Yeah. So for me, that's the million-dollar question: is you know, if I knew that, then I'd be retired, wouldn't be here right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the, there's definitely um, people that have been some of my best interview interviewees um, that have turned out to be. I won't say my worst agents, but some of the ones that I was most excited about from an interview standpoint have posed their own challenges as, as agents as well that uh, are unique. Um, maybe even a couple that were really good interviewees that just were complete and utter, you know, failures at the business. Yeah, You know, it seems to me that one of the, probably the most common trait is uh, from, from my understanding is just ground up building a business, you know, not necessarily working in an LOA. It's different. You work in my LOA shop. You don't might not have to have the same level of grit um, that someone else does because the leads are there. You just have to be able to show up every day and try your best to help people have good character, be honest, be ethical um, and work really hard. You know, there's a difference in being a really hard worker I mean, there's guys that, you know, work in steel mills. They're the hardest workers in yeah. you know, world, you know, uh, carving out the holes of ships with, you know, 200, 200 degrees in there and stuff like that. That's not the same as having this mental, you know, uh, the, the mental capacity to, to understand the numbers of not being discouraged by no's and continuing to show up right. and, and sit in the crappy houses and everything. And also understand, Hey, like I might, you know, if your goal is, I want to be a millionaire, I want to make 500,000 or i want to make 600,000 a year that, that being a great individual agent is a stepping stone to that. Right. Uh, you know, you, I'm not seeing being an individual agent, you can't make five or $600,000 a year, but you have to graduate into Medicare, create residual compounding. Uh, but when you're starting out being a life agent, which is probably the best place to start, you know, if you want to get your income up fast, um, you're going to have to sit in some shitty houses and do some things that nobody else wants to do. But if you can yeah. get successful at that, you can then show other people how to do that. So you can create a business out of that. You can then pivot, You could, or you can pivot into Medicare, create residuals. It's a stepping stone of knowing this is, a means to an end, if I show up enough, I can make a great income doing this. And then I can start to build a business out of it. It's not saying I got to show up and keep doing this crap every day, um, forever, but maybe for a couple of years, a few years, uh, and build that up. So I think think it's great that you set good expectations, though, because so many people are selling the pipe dream or the pie in the sky, without properly preparing people for just how long they're going to have to eat shit you know to, because and, and some people are okay with that you know make two hundred thousand dollars a year writing the hell out of some final expense and term life and uh and going out and sitting in some crappy houses sitting in some good houses meeting some great people but having to deal with some people that are less than desirable as well being on the grind it's a grind going out and driving and all the all the stuff however for me from my perspective, every time I talk to somebody like I want to do, I'm brand new. I want to do digital lead flow. I want to be branded. I want to do all this. I'm like, those are great things, but I still recommend when you're starting X, Y, and Z leads, you know, telemarketed uh, direct mail, final expense, maybe seminars starting with this groundwork that is the hard stuff to do because it's, you can't go out and replicate my TV budget overnight. You know what I mean? That you have to build up to that. Um, but, but I think people like yourself that are honest about it can set the proper expectations that one day they can do that if they want to, there's a million different ways to run this business, but first we got to get you successful in the groundwork. You know, you, you can't skip step one, you know, unless you're rich. (laughs) Well, you (laughs) can, but it's likely to come back
1: and haunt you. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of what people don't understand, I think, and it's okay, but it's something you realize after the fact, I think more than anything that, you know, throughout our, the arc of our careers, we're collecting different skill sets and assimilating them into our business and to, to have all the skill sets necessary to be a, whatever, some huge income making entrepreneur takes time. And for those that happen overnight, they're the exception to the rule. Yeah. And you don't always hear the good and the bad either you know so I mean for me I mean everything I've learned has just been a collection of stuff that I picked up since 15 years ago you know I started with a business that did okay for a couple years and then failed out because the great recession hit and personal training but I learned how to market I learned how to work I learned how to serve my clients Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff has a uh, a collaborative effect on everything else, and you're cumulatively putting all these skill sets together to where yeah. you can run this business. And so if you don't have any of that, it just takes time. you it know and it's so and it's okay.
0: Time. It takes time. It's okay, um, it's supposed
1: to take time. Thank is. God it takes time because if it did, not we wouldn't a appreciate it B, it would be way more competitive. You know? be but so the time, competitive time factors too, were then,
0: that if we're all experts at everything overnight, then we're all button heads. And so then the expert level becomes a different level of knowledge that none of us have yet. So, um, you know, so that's, just, that's so true. The, the, um, the compounding effect of time, you know, whereas our agency now is writing ACA and under 65 and cross-selling and writing Medicare supplements, writing Medicare Advantage and Part D drug plans and annuities, fias. Um, you know, we even have a PNC and c kind of division that we've started up. None of the, we didn't start doing like when people say, Hey, I'm going to do real estate, PNC life. And like, what are you talking about? There's no yeah. way that you could possibly understand all those products. I started writing MedSup. I was terrible at writing. You know how much money I left on the table? Sure. I was leaving it on the table, but I didn't, it, it wasn't part of my table at the time. I was perfecting <laughs> a process. And then eventually I added in, Oh, well now I need to do the part D for him okay, well, I guess I should consider occasionally doing these advantage plans because there are times where maybe that makes sense. But these are pieces that I started adding. You know, I'd be six months, a year writing one product. Then I'd spend six months or a year perfecting, adding one additional product. So even when we teach how to cross sell and stuff now, it's not like I'm saying, hey, you're brand new to the industry. You should start by selling these five different products with these seven carriers. (laughs) There's no way you could possibly do that. And I don't know if Graham. you get this, but when people will fill out a contracting request, sometimes we're trying to figure out ways to streamline this, but they'll request 20 carriers. I'm like, you don't need 20 carriers. <laughs> like you're brand yeah. new. Like I mean, we have 77 appointments, and even in my LOA office, we probably write 99% of it with five companies. You know, I mean, and that that fifth company or that fourth company may be swapping out every couple of years to a different company. But it's not, it's not, it's still 99% going to a small group. I used to call it when we would do a training of having, um, I think we called it a, a, the wheelhouse. And I'd create like a, a wheel and I would have like a segment of like, this, this is our, we're going to write this cancer policy. We're going to write, you know, we're, they're going to spearhead with this final expense policy. This is going to be our backup. This is going to be our core med sub product. So we had like, this is core. This is underwriting backup. And then if it can't fit into one of these, we're moving on because <laughs> right. we can't right. help, you know, but so many people want to, they think if I can't place every person that I sit in front of forever, and this happens a lot when people get into Medicare Advantage first, because you can technically place everyone as long as they live in the right zip code. But, right. but, you know, when you get into final expense, you get into Med meds up, you can't place everybody, you know, you, right. and, and definitely annuities. So, so good, and good stuff, man. Um, well, tools, I want to talk just a little bit. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you're a technically proficient guy. You, you wouldn't be able to do some of the internet stuff, streamline the processes and have a good system. And uh, obviously, you know, being a one man show with as much traction as you're doing, um, you know, you have to have good tools. So what would you say right now are tools that are indispensable to you that you're using? And I'll say this last time I talked to you, or maybe it was in a different interview I watched of you. But you gave me an idea, and just a small one—a plugin on Google Chrome that reduces your Facebook chatter to where you only see things that you like, set that you want to see. Yeah, hugely helpful because really. you don't get any of the bullshit. Yeah, you know, and that in really helped us. You know, yeah, I have that. Get It's
1: called it's called Newsfeed Distraction something. If you put it into the Google Chrome, uh, I've got it on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook youtube yeah. so i don't even see any suggested videos yeah. um when i play a video i don't even see suggested ones after the fact it's like it it's weird because it completely limits your your uh awareness of what's going on but then it also frees up probably i mean when you're at a higher level and you should think this way if you're not like y- there's an interesting thing that happens when you've got more activity than time to do it you got to start making decisions on how to utilize that time do you outsource it do you include somebody else but your time becomes more and more valuable and you have to protect it because all of these companies are are um phds in manipulation they know what to do to draw you in and suck them in onto their platforms to take away your otherwise you know god-given right to be productive so you got to be you got to put a stop to it intentionally yeah um so yeah, I do. And, and
0: with those platforms, yeah. they want to they want to take your your time. And, and so a lot of people say, that's why I'm not on any of those platforms. And I say, no, that's not necessarily the answer because you can find the value in the utilization of the platform. That'd be like saying, like, if you're Coca-Cola being like, we don't watch TV, so we don't advertise there anymore. We don't advertise yeah. there either. Like it, the attention's there. So you have to understand the attention's there. Utilize the platform for what it's worth, be it to to get information or to communicate with clients or whatever. Sure. You just to figure out ways not to waste your time on the platform talking politics. I remember one day we're in the yeah. car on the way to a conference and I grabbed the phones of a couple of my LOA agents and, I, and you can go in Facebook and unfollow so many, you know, accounts and I, they were talking politics all the time. And I was like, guys, I'm not saying don't have a political opinion. I'm not saying, you know, don't read certain news sites and all this, but you got to get the politics out of your social media algorithm yeah. because it's bullshit. Anyway, you don't really get your pol- political, like you don't base your political opinion off of a Facebook post or a Twitter video anyway. So let's get that crap out of there because it's just sucking your time up. Um, well,
1: I, and I, I would—I've always thought this, and I, I consider myself to be a pretty good salesperson. But how many times has has someone who's expressed in a political opinion for whatever convinced anybody to change their mind? I would argue it's almost never. And this, so, just think about just the mental, the mental energy, and the uh, exhaustion that goes into arguing with people that. That, that if anything, it worsens your relationship with the people that,
0: yep. you know,
1: you have a relationship with because you can say things so much more comfortably when you're not physically present in front of the person. That's why we like door knocking and prospecting the final expense because it's harder to sh- slam a door in somebody's face when they're in your face than it is to slam a phone down. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I, I don't even bother with it. I've got opinions but it doesn't matter you know I'm not going to change your mind and if I'm going to change your mind it's not by what I say it's going to be by what I do and you know social media sucks all that out and it's just it's just mostly a waste of time you know Um, I mean I even I've even I I put a video out I think uh, like a like a year ago and I still stand by it I have a I do jujitsu and um, one of the things in jujitsu Justin that that there's all these different moves you can learn is all it's, it's so much like insurance sales like there's different things different tactics different ways to to learn self-defense in a jiu-jitsu format well not all movements or submissions or whatever are equal but what happens is and, and what you really should focus on in jiu-jitsu is the fundamentals like the three or four core submissions arm bar collar choke triangle right? Um, Kimura, but you could do another five or 10 submissions, but if you do that much, you're never going to get really good at it because you're spreading yourself thin. But what happens with YouTube and where this comes into is that if you're getting into jujitsu, you're going to like try to absorb as much as you can, but what's on YouTube isn't necessarily conducive to training you the fundamentals or, or, or training you to the maximal extent. You'll learn this cool little trick move that's, that would be cool to take the class, but like in an actual application in a self-defense situation, it's useless. And at the end of the day, it distracts you from reinforcing the core fundamentals. And so we're back to my original point, um, there's a point where watching my channel is, is a waste of your time. And and I tell my agents this. I tell this to anybody else. Like my channel's first service is to attract you to my agency. It's to sell you on me. But once you're inside my agency, yeah, my my video is great. But what really matters is you focus on the the in the information that's most important, the fundamentals. Because what happens is, and this is the problem with with information, is there's too much of it now. And it, the the secret is how do you how do you segment information by its most importance and that's very difficult to do and what youtube does is and what all social media does is that it shows information that's most popular that gets the most clicks it gets the most attention but what's but what gets the most attention isn't necessarily the most important and so there comes a point where you have to realize this and recognize oh well that's the problem is that my attention is limited But there's so much that is algorithmically proven to attract it that I've got to put blinders on it, even including something like my channel to get down to what matters, your script, what your trainer's teaching you. If you're not working with me and somebody else still shut my channel down, work with what they're telling you, because my stuff might be a distraction from what you're being taught now sometimes it's garbage sure and maybe you should listen to me but a lot of the times it isn't and if you get this whole like well David says this and Justin says that it creates dissonance it creates confusion and confused people aren't effective yeah. i I think this a concept of just over inform informedness or too much information too much choices is, is is damaging yeah
0: causes it, a lot of uh, analysis yeah. of or exactly of analysis so. Yeah. I I had someone, um, recently, you know, took one of my videos that I watch a lot of your videos and they're all super helpful. Um, you know, but this one here that you send in this email, this is, this was not helpful at all. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay. I, you know, but it's, you know, and I, but I'm like, maybe you're maybe, okay. Just take, don't, don't take that and move on. I mean, it's not, you know, and it, for whatever reason, it wasn't effective for them. Could have been any number of reasons. Maybe the way that they formulated their practice is different, and that doesn't work. Maybe they're trying to impose this way of talking about this concept on the wrong employee. You know, there's right. um, there's different different reasons, but people focus too much on every single thing we say.
1: Discernment is critical. And that's, that's what lacks with the availability of content is discerning what content is most important and uh, what content. That could be one of the
0: traits that we decide who is, who is going to, you know, and you don't know who that, who has discernment. Um, Right. the, The people that end up writing a lot of business probably have discernment because there's a point where they said, all right, um, I need, you know, f- five minutes of, uh, you know, rational sitting around thinking about stuff and uh, getting my mind right. And maybe five minutes of listening to a David Duford video or Justin Brock or a Tony Robbins or whoever in the morning to get my mind right. But I only need a little bit. And then I need to go, I mean, I don't know if you, I, I read a lot of these, these guys books that are out there and I'm, all of them have good points. Josh Lustig, one of my uh, good friends said, when you're going to a conference, every single person probably has something of value at it, right? But don't think you have to do every single thing that everybody there, you'll be spinning in circles because it's a lot of different information. So you take one little thing from everybody, or even if you want to really discern it, take one thing from the entire conference that you do, or one thing from your daily read or whatever that you work on. And, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm reading these books, like, uh, I know every, every one of these guys has this 10 minute ritual, you know, right. And it's, it's all different. What they do is different. I know Grant Cardone talked about, I think it was in the be, be obsessed or be average or 10 X or one of his books that I, I don't read them. I listen to the audio books. I'll buy the book. And then I listen to the audio book when I'm riding around. But he, uh, he said that in his, that 10 minutes of, uh, in the morning for him, is like literally five minutes of listening to some self-help guy you know some old school sales coach or whatever and then five minutes of listening to like Eminem just something hardcore for him but with Tony Robbins it's like you know he has his he has a breakdown that he puts out on YouTube of exactly what he does and him it's like you know, a minute or three minutes of being super thankful, saying all the things you're thankful for, three minutes of saying what you're going to accomplish today, you know, what one minute of deep breathing, like he has this breakdown. It's different for, for everyone what they um, do, but what the, the commonality, I think, was being able to discern that information and put it into really small portions of your day and spending the overwhelming majority of your day on income producing activities or infrastructural building activities. Not even too many infrastructural building activities early on. So many people like I got an email or a message this morning. Hey, I'm brand new. Should I set up as an LLC or an independent agent?" They're thinking about that stuff so much that, and I'm afraid to answer it because sure, technically the answer is you should have an LLC, right? But, who cares? Let's find out if you even got what it takes to be an agent yeah. before you spend a bunch of time doing that. I've had guys that spent so much time setting LLCs up, getting the accounting right, setting a website up, building a logo, all this, never even written a piece of business, you know? Um, the, proof so the
1: concept that. is critical and the, the less, Absolutely. the less obstacles in the way to testing an idea and, and your business and selling insurance is an idea. Uh, you gotta figure out if it's gonna work for you. And the less fuss, the less setup, the less details, the better you're gonna be. And uh, the better, the, the the better opportunity you're gonna have to test it. But if you if you purposely crowd all the stuff in between the actual execution, you lose momentum. And that the the thing you have to understand, I'm learning this is more important as I go go on, is the momentum is is such a is such a is such a fickle thing. And when you have it, you cannot take it for advantage. And, and that means imperfect action trumps perfect non action. And if you have, and you will and you must go out there knowing that you don't know everything. That's the paradox of, of knowing <laughs> is that, you know, when you first do a thing, you know, you're not going to have all the answers, especially in a performance based thing. Uh, when you go out there and play basketball for the first time, you're not going to know everything about the game and all the techniques. Likewise, in insurance sales, you're going to be prepared and trained, but even so, you don't know it until you do the thing. That's the paradox. And you have to be comfortable with that. And And for a certain subsect of, of characters, uh, character traits, that's hard, that, that this, there's this concept of aggressively getting ready. I have to know everything before I do the thing. Well, you can't know everything until you do the thing.
0: I don't know, you know? everything. <laughs> yeah. like, I learned stuff about Medicare weekly, that I'm like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, um, I, am I, I we have Medicare gurus with 7600 agents in there. Wow. And most of the time I can answer their questions. Um, now I got to the point where I'm not answering them a lot. They're all answering each other's, which is great. But a lot of times I'll see a question on there and I'm like, shit, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a. Well,
1: reserve one. the right to be wrong. And, but yeah. then learn from that mistake and grow. Like it's okay to not have all the answers. The, yeah. the, the key thing is, well, what do you do when you recognize that you don't know mm-hmm. like how you follow up to then learn and, and accommodate that answer makes everything. You know, if, if you're dealing with clients, guys, if you're out there getting started selling insurance for the first time, you're not going to know everything. It's okay. If a client asks you a question you don't know, that's why you partner with a good organization that's going to answer that for you. And then you tell the client, hey, it's a great question. I'm going to get back to you on that. And then when you know the answer you or, or you make a mistake, you vow never to make that mistake again or to embody that answer. So you don't, you know, slowly you start to build up this, So it's wisdom, right, via experience. There's just no other way than that. You have to be uncomfortable. You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable when you start in this business.
0: Yep, get uncomfortable. Uh, Don't overanalyze. And um, you know, one of the other things you said was having discernment or self-awareness. I think um, being able to discern what information is useful, what is not. Not thinking you have to consume too much. And then people sit around and watch motivational youtube videos all day long <laughs> and like you're motivated to do what exactly um you know but i think this really good information david i, I obviously like talking to you cuz you got a good good head on your shoulders for it so yeah man i appreciate you doing this i'm going to ask you one more question and um hopefully you can fill in the blank here what do you wish more people would ask you up front but whether it's being interviewed or agents uh, on the front end
1: Mm. i i i don't know i mean i don't it's funny i just don't these questions are tough to answer because i don't really have a problem with much of this i mean yeah you know i i try to get this stuff i'll answer i'll try to give a half okay answer i guess i mean um i don't know like what, you know, what do I have to do to be successful? You know, I guess like what, what, tell me exactly what I need to be successful might be something that I wish I could hear more of, you know, like, don't, you know, don't hold back. It's it's explicitly say what I need to do Mm -hmm. to not become another statistic in this business. And it's usually, it's an answer. Some people don't want to hear. Well, you got to work all the time. You got to pay your price. You got to pay the price of success. It's a very real concept that, that, you know, uh, thankfully we all have to pay cause it's, you know, it's just part of the deal and that's comes at a sacrifice, you know, and you've got to be okay. Like, for example, I work six days a week. I didn't take a vacation for years. When I first started, I never was around to see my twins, much less my wife, except one day a week. Um, you know, um, I saw my peers that I went to college with do better than me financially Uh, In in my 20s, I didn't do much anything, didn't have a social life, Um, but I was okay with that because I, you know, I'm born to work in a sense for me personally, but also because I knew that was what it took. You have to pay that price. And I figured in my mind why I was like, well, it's just a matter of time. If I just do this thing that eventually I'll overcome the odds. Like it's just time if I just follow these fundamentals and, and I always had this kind of sense of this, this was, I was destined to be successful. I've always thought that, yeah. but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess I would like to hear more of that ask because, you know, not everybody wants to do that. You know, um, they want to I be half.
0: The, I love the fundamentals talk when you're talking about, um, you know, we talk about about jujitsu. I did a little bit of jujitsu, just enough to get my ass kicked a lot. Um, and normal. Uh, yeah. But then that's called uh, being a white belt. Yeah, belt. <laughs> Man, they used to make me see stars on the regular, but um, you know, but you know, the same thing with basketball or tennis. My wife plays tennis and I started playing a little bit of doubles tennis with her. And they told us, you know, when you're when you're young in tennis or newer, you know, two five, three, five, three, oh, three five. Uh, they say, your goal at this point is to wait. Is to keep it in play, fundamentally. Until yeah. Somebody else makes a mistake.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You just don't want to be the first one to make the mistake, right? So, same thing with jujitsu. I'm, I'm assuming you're waiting for somebody to put that hand on the mat. <laughs> you know, you're waiting for yeah. someone to uh, make them make a mistake, so you can take advantage of it. And if you're fundamentally, yeah, we, sharp, we You can do. We
1: that. talk a lot about being in position defensively, you know. And if you're out of position, that's when your adversary takes advantage of your mm-hmm. ill positioning to, you know, isolate an arm or yeah. to progress his position to be more dominant. Um, it's like this in, in insurance sales. You got to be fundamentally in position. Mm-hmm. And that means having the best leads, uh, it's a lead system, a sales system that works support network. Yeah. You know, you've got to have that. Does that mean everything's going to be perfect? No, yeah. but if you don't have it, it's going to be a lot, less perfect for sure
0: it's it, everybody that's successful too and this comes back to this quote i love um you know people say so and so got lucky with you know youtube timing or somebody got lucky with um they, they like i had a direct mail card one time that led to 300 <laughs> at&t employee employees that ah. with me on one lead you know that's a fluke you know but it, it but it wouldn't happen if you weren't in play going through the motions doing everything right and so that that quote that culminates from this is uh the harder i work the luckier i get it's true it's not not luck you're you're in play and if you're never in play and you're not doing that daily you know ipas income producing activities or infrastructural activities then you're not set up to to have those periods of quote unquote luck yeah Um, it's, 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 it's all about just,
1: like you said, you, you know, you got to play the game, you got to stay in the game and everybody has hot streaks, cold streaks. Everybody has times in their career where they're going to do well. Um, and there's luck that comes from it for sure. You know I mean? But it's not just luck. That's always the easy way out. There's a lot more to it than just that. Yeah. You know, there's a consistent level of effort. That plenty, of that ultimately have, has to be
0: plenty of people walk by a multimillionaire every day but they don't get them to roll over an annuity because they don't you know there's 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 plenty yeah. of times where you're in the right place but you haven't put in the time or whatever to to make the best out of that situation when you're in play and you're sharpened you're ready to do it there's a um, i think it's from tony robbins money makeover book or one of those money books he did where he talks about um who is was it? Uh, I don't know if it was Warren Buffett or one of the guys that he, he interviews that's, you know, huge, you know, tycoon and, 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 and they, they actually have a statistic and I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically that th- these billionaires that are in the market, market billionaires can break down 90% or 85% or whatever, all their gains to 14 days over the last 50 years but they were in the market poised. They didn't right. know it was going to happen, you know, but they were there. Right. And I'm, that's not an endorsement of the market. I have my own feelings about the market, but they had the timing and the, the, the posture. They were in the game, right? They were in the game and they're in timing. It is impossible. They were just there, you know,
1: Warren Buffett talks about, you know, it's, it's useful to think that, that you've got 20 opportunities, your entire life that you're ever going to, like really get something out of your, the scope of your entire life, 20. This is Warren Buffett, right? Yeah. You know, very successful long-term investor. And that's how he looks at his stuff too. Is like, okay, well, are you going to recognize when that opportunity comes in front of you? And are you going to actually leverage it to its highest extent? That's the difficulty, right? Is like knowing that there's something there. I can remember thinking in college, like in 20. When was that 20, 20, 2006 or something? Two thousand three or four? I was like, man, I bet a good thing, a great business online would be like a video website where people could watch videos. I was like, man, that, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. So wait, what was it? Uh, the guy in Baby Mama that says, "I'm an inventor slash entrepreneur." Dak Shepard played him, and, and uh, she says, "Oh, have you admitted anything? Well, not anything yet." Uh, but, you know, with the iPod, yeah, when that came out, that was really hard on me. Like, as if, yeah, <laughs> I thought of that, you know, but I didn't. There,
1: you know. That's, that's true. I mean, there's, it, you know, it's, that's the thing as people have creativity is a muscle, you can strengthen and grow and it, it but it takes just like exercise, it takes effort. I mean, there, there are the first machines built. And, and you have to have that kind of perspective, too, on what's possible. And you have to have the ability to think big. But like, for example, um, you know, there are machines, you know, rudimentary machines built in during the latter part of the Roman Empire. I don't know if you know this. Machines. like st- Or like steam locomotives, like steam-powered stuff. But there were just the, the thought process, of, this is just a silly little toy. What could you do with steam power, you know? Yeah. And there it lied for thousands of years until we obviously looked at it a couple hundred years ago. So, I mean, that's, that's what perspective does. That's what a recognition of what's possible and having an open mind does. And yeah. if you don't have it, you know, and a lot, all of us have good ideas, but, but we don't think that there's anything that we can do with them. And that's the travesty of what it comes yeah. to.
0: Absolutely. Well, man, I appreciate you being on here. This has been a, an insightful interview. I hope people watch it because um, I think it's a great, you know way to say hey I'm going to start my morning listening to this and then get to work because we're talking discernment and and things that uh, you know really people should should have and if they don't have or if they haven't exercised that much, they should activate it exercise it cut out a lot of the muck you know consume a little bit of content but then get to work right build your right. build your business build your empire um david duford has uh, davidduford.com is that right That's right. And, uh, you know, obviously has a great YouTube channel you can subscribe to and you can find his books on Amazon. If anybody's looking for a home, you know, obviously we'll help you too. But David is uh, somebody that we completely trust to do, you know, the right thing with agents. So, um, he's a great one to work with. So anybody that, you know, is looking for a home, check him out, definitely subscribe to his email list. Great emails, great content, great guy, you know, ethical person, uh, has my full seal of approval and endorsement, and there is plenty of business to go around. I can't help everybody. Please reach out to David if you're looking for somebody who's going to give you the real the real spiel. So thanks, man. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience or anything? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you, audience. Talk to you later.